morning and welcome. Good morning, you overcomers. Do you feel like overcomers? Uh, I got a yes here and a couple of no's back there. I can relate to both of those remarks. I think oftentimes we, we feel like anything but an overcomer. But we are. We are because of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. And we're going to look at that today. So turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. I <clears throat> uh, want to look at the first five verses there. going to be soon wrapping up John's epistles. I'll be launching into Revelation. A lot of folks are chomping at the bit for that. People keep asking me, when we get into Revelation? When we get into Revelation? And we'll be there. And I'll tell you what, uh, if uh, that little guy in North Korea uh, pushes a button, we may be there sooner than you think. <laughs> we may be living it. <laughs> and that is, uh, we'll be... Uh, Praise God, we will be evacuated. First uh, John chapter 5, <clears throat> John writing says, That whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. And by this we know that we love the children of God. When we love God... And keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is he who overcomes the world? But he who believes, or she who believes, that Jesus is indeed the Son of God. And with that, let's pray. Lord, we praise you. And Lord, uh, we are so thankful because this morning we are reminded once again that we are overcomers. Lord, not because we feel like it. Lord, but because, Lord, what you've accomplished for us, Lord, upon the cross. Lord, you, uh, you rose from the grave. Lord, you defeated sin. You defeated death. And Lord, you call us, you bring us, Lord, into your procession, that wonderful, victorious procession. And Lord, we are so grateful for all that you've done, all that you're doing. And Lord, you're not finished. Lord, uh, as we speak of Revelation and the day of the Lord, Lord, uh, we, we know, we believe that we're on the precipice of that. And Lord, help us, we pray, to live the overcoming life. Lord, the victorious Christian life. Lord, protect us, Lord. We're constantly badgered, Lord, and tempted. Lord, to just fall into, Lord, loving this world. But Lord, how this world just sucks the life out of us. And Lord, you're the source of life. And Lord, I pray that we would walk with you. Lord, I pray that as a result of our study of the word of God, that we would know you in a deeper way. And Lord, for anyone perhaps maybe in our midst that doesn't know you, Lord, as of yet, Lord, that perhaps maybe today might be that day, Lord, where by faith, Lord, they press in and receive the prize. So Lord, we, uh, we thank you for this time. We, we commit our hearts, our minds to you. Lord, bless the children as they're ministered to this morning. And Lord, we want you to be glorified, Father, uh, in our lives, in our hearts, in our families. Lord, we want to see you glorified throughout our nation. And we do pray for our nation today as the gospel of Jesus Christ is preached, Lord, throughout. Lord, our nation, Lord, that you would draw people, Lord, unto yourself. And Lord, also as we, Lord, take time, Lord, to remember your death. Remember your cross. Remember, Lord, Lord, why indeed, Lord, we are overcomers because of what you've done for us. So meet with us now, I pray, Father, in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. 
Uh, we entitled our piece this morning, it, taking, it, taking it from John chapter 16, verse 33, where Jesus said to the disciples, uh, Be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. And we need to remember that. Um, because a lot of times we get depressed, we get beat up by circumstances, uh, we get discouraged so very easily. But the fact of the matter is because of Christ that we have wonderfully become overcomers as we walk with him and as we trust him. Now in this uh, final chapter of uh, John's epistle here, in the first epistle anyway, you know, as a good teacher he's sort of reviewing some of the major points uh, that he has touched on so far. And I think he doesn't want us to forget uh, because I think so often uh, we tend to forget uh, the fact that Bible truth has to be activated in our life. We have to act upon it. That's what activates Bible truth. It's not just a matter. And it's so easy, I think, uh, for us Christians just to become uh, students only. Uh, and, and I think we're always students in a sense, but also, too, that we need to learn not only what we're learning, we need to put into practice uh, and we find that so often as we go through the course of our week that the Lord is uh, prompting us and, and giving us opportunity to do that, to really act out uh, some of the things that we're learning, some of the things that we know. Uh, somebody once said uh, regarding physical therapy, uh, use it or lose it. And I think that's true with the truth of God. If you don't use it, you tend to forget it. You lose it in a sense. Uh, you might remember it uh, uh, at a certain point of time, but the fact of the matter is if we're not you know, implementing it, using it, practicing it, uh, it just simply fades away, uh, sort of like, a, sort of like a, uh, an appendage that we never really use. Uh, also, too, we find here as we come to this particular section the term overcoming. And, and with John, uh, this is a very familiar term. Uh, I was looking in the uh, concordance uh, regarding how often this term is maybe used in, in other situations in the New Testament. And I think Paul uses it twice, and, and Peter uses it twice. Peter uses it in the negative. Paul uses it in the positive ones and in the negative ones. Uh, but when we see it here in John, uh, he's using it in a very positive sense, reminding us of because of what Christ has done for us, that indeed we are overcomers. The Greek word is nikeo. It's where we get the word Nike or Nike, and maybe you're wearing a pair of those today. Um, I'm not seeing any here in the front row. Uh, yeah, here we go, right here. We got a pair of Nikes here. Uh, and, um, and I wish we could conquer as easy as we could put the, the, the shoes on, right? And uh, we, I think, you know, I have many different pairs of Nike, uh, different shoes. Uh, but it simply means this. It means to conquer. It means to subdue. Uh, it, it means an overcoming uh, to the point of victory, you know, in our life and in our particular experience. And maybe perhaps, maybe you're thinking of lately as you're maybe struggling, as you're battling, as you're maybe going through some situations. I need a breakthrough. Have you ever prayed that? Have you ever prayed that and thought that? Lord, I need a breakthrough. And that's kind of like one of my favorite prayers. Uh, as, you know, we're praying about different things in the church, different people in the church, different aspects of ministry. Um, uh, we're just praying, Lord, give us breakthrough. You know, because it seems so oftentimes there's barriers, there's blockages, there's hindrances. Uh, there's oftentimes you know, this, this invisible war uh, that we are in. And uh, we, we tend to sometimes forget it. And then we, we become maybe perhaps a casualty you know, of the war that we're in. Um, and, the, and the fact is that God has called us to be victors and not victims. It's very easy. We see so often, you know, uh, particularly people that don't know the Lord, it's, you, you do become a victim. And sometimes uh, to such a degree where their whole life is a victim kind of mentality. And that's such a tragic kind of thing when that happens to someone. Uh, God doesn't want that. That's why Christ came on the cross, that we don't, we're not constantly living, feeling like we're in a, in a state of defeat. Or, or that, you know, again, we take on this victim kind of mentality uh, and we just sort of lapse into a, a, a just a, a condition of self-pity. Um, people sometimes get trapped in those kind of things for years and decades. Uh, and our culture kind of panders to that. Um, you know, sometimes the whole psychological sciences kind of pander to that thing. And, and, and certainly the devil wants to keep us sort of locked into a condition of defeat and maybe feeling sorry for ourselves and feeling victimized. And the fact of the matter is we are going to take arrows. We, we are going to get hurt. We are going to get offended. All those kind of things are going to happen to us in life. But because of Jesus Christ, we can bounce back. 
you know, because of what he's done for us, there's a, there's a reality of victory that can take place in our life. And so perhaps maybe of late, you're just maybe praying, Lord, I need a breakthrough in this particular area or in this particular situation. And as we look at these verses, I believe here that the Lord wants to help us to move in that direction um, where there is more victory taking place in our life that we're not just sort of, you know, I think when somebody says, I, I, I give up, I surrender, I'm tired of it, I'm tired of this battle, I'm tired of this fight. Uh, well, that's just a surrender to the wrong side. Uh, you'd be, that's sort of, you know, the, the victim defeat kind of mentality. And, uh, you know, one of the things that we find in the New Testament, you know, particularly like with Paul, um, and some of the New Testament writers give us these, uh, uh, these word pictures of soldiers and warfare and fighting and that sort of thing. And we need to be good soldiers in Jesus Christ. It's so easy, uh, you know, to be defeated uh, in our particular experience. I was just reading a book, and I, 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 I just wanted, didn't want to say anything about this. But I was reading a book this week, uh, and I just happened to pick it up. Um, and it was a book written about uh, a summer, the summer offensive. Um, in, uh, in Vietnam, in I-Corps areas, one of the areas in Vietnam, and I was involved in that whole thing. And I can remember it, and I was, and I was, and I was going through, uh, there's the author describing in the book uh, this, this particular offensive and how it started and, and all the different locations and some of the companies and, and people. Um, it's like it just vividly sort of became a picture, you know, in my mind. And, uh, and it was this week. Um, it was, uh, I think it, it kicked off around August 12th. And, um, and what was interesting is uh, what looked like a defeat, uh, you know, became a resounding victory for us because uh, this was very unusual what happened in this offensive. Uh, I don't know if it happened in any other offensive. Uh, certainly I was other offensives and it never happened, but it happened in this one, and that was a regimental commander was killed. Uh, and that was very unusual to have a lieutenant colonel on the line fighting, you know, alongside you. Um, and yet what, what looked like defeat and could have maybe uh, really um, discouraged. Uh, it was something that really emboldened us, and, and, it, and it just sort of strengthened us, um, and it was a resounding kind of victory. Uh, and, you know, our, you know, our captain of our salvation, you know, uh, he went to, to the cross, and he gave his life, and that is the very thing that provides victory for us. Um, as we realize what he's done for us, and we, we really, we, we join in, he brings us in, in a sense, of the possession you know, of his victory because what he has wrought, what he's done for us. Now, in verse 5, excuse me, verse uh, 1 of chapter 5, uh, he starts it out in a very simple kind of way where he says, whoever believes that Jesus, you know, uh, uh, you know, is the Christ, is born of God. And this is where the overcoming life begins. It's the fact that we have come to Christ. Um, outside of Christ, no matter what somebody may accomplish in their life, if they are not born again, if the Spirit of God does not indwell them, there is no overcoming life. It's only that we find overcoming life in Him. That's why Jesus said to the disciples, even if they had the very best of intentions, He said to them, without me you can do nothing. And it's with His Spirit, with His empowerment, you know, in our life, what he, the wherewithal that He provides for us and that He gives to us. Uh, and that's why it's so important. Uh, and I, you know, I, I, think it's so, I think it's so vital um, because sometimes people can sit in churches for years and not really be born again. Now, that may seem strange to some of us, but it is a fact. And so it's very important, and I don't want to, I don't want to um, just create doubt for the sense of creating doubt. But if somebody has a doubt about their, their salvation, about their relationship, and about the fact that you know, and one of the things that John talks about in this epistle is about having this assurance that they indeed are going to heaven, that their name is written in the Lamb's book of life. You know what? When the Spirit of God comes into your life, He gives you that assurance. And you know what? If you don't have that, you need to, you need to settle that question. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, we'll pray with you. Um, as a matter of fact, probably anybody sitting near you will pray with you and help you to, to you know, really give your heart and turn your life over to Jesus Christ because life will be nothing but a series of defeats without the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is the most important. He is the, he is the overcoming principle that as we've invited him and brought him into our lives and allowed him um, to empower us, 
Uh, and that becomes, the spiritual rebirth becomes the foundation for everything and anything that is good in our lives. It's because of what he's done for us. And what he continues to do for us. And how he helps us moment by moment, hour by hour. He is the very foundation. I think we need to remember that. Because the, the, the man of the world thinks, you know, because uh, I, I have these skills, I have these abilities, I have this education, look what I've done for myself. That's what the man of the world says. And uh, we have to realize that everything that we have, that it's come from him. It's come from his hand, his blessing, uh, his, his working, providing for us. And it's a wonderful thing to realize, hey, I belong to Christ. I, I'm a citizen of heaven. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. So if that hasn't happened for you, please, don't leave today. Um, I, I, think, I, I obviously think you're here um, uh, because you have a concern, uh, you know, a spiritual concern in your life. But if you, if you, that question, you have a question in your heart about that, and you're not sure, you're not certain, then we want to pray with you. We want to help you. Uh, we want to encourage you to make sure that that is a settled matter and an issue in your life. And, you know, that's why I think when the unbeliever looks at you and me, they say, what's this crazy love about? They, they think we're kind of crazy, and, and they're right to a degree. Um, they said to Paul, Paul, you're a madman. And he was just crazy about God, crazy about this relationship uh, that we have with our Lord and with our Savior. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to the unbelieving mind, and, and neither did it for me or you before we accepted Christ, right? Before the Lord wonderfully stepped into our lives, it didn't make a whole lot of sense to us, but I'll tell you, it made all the sense to us. You know, once he comes in, it begins to occupy your heart and mind, your life. Now, here's Paul's signature phrase that we have found so many different times. I haven't tallied them all up, um, but he says in verse 2, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. And I think he's simply saying that when we're, you know, when we're loving the Lord and following his word and his truth, there's this overflow that takes place in our life toward other people. And it's simply, it is, that's what it is. It's an overflow of our relationship with him, loving God, loving his truth, loving his word. And like he says here, you know, keeping his commandments. You know, the, the priority that we have in life is simply this first, loving Jesus. That's, that's the priority of life. I know we have other priorities, but that's the main priority of life as we're loving the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And when you're loving him in the right way, because a lot of times what can happen is we can say, at one point we were so in love with Jesus, but what happened sometimes to the church, what happened to the church of Ephesus? Great church. It was the dynamic church of all the seven churches in Asia. It was really the church that was pastored and, and, and by John, the apostle, and also, too, he later became the bishop. And no doubt it was the church that spawned all these other churches there in Turkey, the seven churches that we find in Revelation. But the Lord said about that church, this dynamic church, and man, they had all their theological ducks lined up. But their relationship with God became sort of machine-like. It's sort of a metallic ring to it. And he said to them, you've left your first love. Now, at one point, they said, yeah, we love God. We, we love, and, and I realize because, and if you do too, if you've gone, you've been with the Lord for any length of time, that that can happen to you. That you can fall out of that place of a vibrant kind of a love, you know, with the Lord. And that's one of the most important things, that we have this love, because it's a priority in our life that, that is constantly putting him first. And, when, and other things are always vying for that place of love, always trying to vie and, and to capture the throne of your heart, the throne of your life. And that's one of the things that you and I, until the day we die, that we have to fend off, we have to fight off these other things from breaking into our lives and keeping Jesus Christ as the priority for our life. And I think that when, these, I think that when we lose that sense of priority, these, and sometimes these other priorities, they're, they're not... They're not all these things that are really wrong. But they just become more important than God. 
And the spiritual decline that they generate sometimes is worse than the greater sins because when it comes to sometimes to some greater sin, it's like, I know I'm never going to do that. You know, ne- never going to break my vows. Never going to cheat on my spouse. Never going to murder anybody. Never going to rob any bank. <laughs> But all these lesser little things begin to creep in. And the decline takes place. Jesus Christ needs to continually, constantly. And that's one of the things that I think the Bible is challenging us for oftentimes, isn't it? To stay in love with him. to put it in. And putting him first is really, in a sense, is, is, is doing that. It's really doing that. It's loving him. It's honoring him. It, it's seeking him first. It, it's putting, it, it's, you know, we make decisions. That, Lord, what do you want me to do? We, we pray about things because the Lord's the priority. And that, that can be a challenge oftentimes to us, you know, because sometimes we can want something so bad. Well, we know how we are. We can want something so bar- bad we can kind of massage, you know, things to such a degree and, 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 and get what we want. But are we really praying? Because the Lord's the priority. Lord, what do you want? What do you want in my life? Very important. Now, for this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. Now, the word keep also, too, I think we really, it's really synonymous with obey. And it may even be in some different translations. It may be translated like that. Um, so, so this is the love of God, that, we're, that if we really love God, we're keeping his commandments. Now, that, that doesn't mean that we're keeping them perfectly. Nobody's ever perfect. But you know what? It means that there's a desire there. There's a drive there. There's a willingness. There's a wantingness. And even with that, we, we fail, don't we? we? We struggle even when we have that. But this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. I think they only become a burden when we want something else, <laughs> doesn't it? It only becomes a burden when I don't want to do it. That, that's, when it becomes, that's when I begin to wrestle, that's when I begin to struggle internally. And a lot of times it's internal with us. Did you ever watch your children when you, when you give them a directive to do something? And, and I'm watching it all over again with my grandkids. We just had them for a week. Boy, that was, that was, that was fun. And, you know, and, and you, 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 I just love them. I, I love them. And so one day, uh, uh, Margie and, and uh, Sarah... Uh, go shopping, just go shopping, do whatever you want to do. I'll watch the kids, you know. <laughs> the fighting, the bickering, and the picking on one another. And I'm watching it, and it's like it's just uncalled for. It's just ridiculous. And the times are just such sweet little angels. <laughs> And, and you know what? They're good kids. They really are. It's good, good kids. It's a good Christian family. And yet the endless fighting and bickering and pinching and trying to hurt one another. <laughs> this is life. This is life. This is, this is human nature. And I was looking at them, as I was just looking at them, because we just grow up and we do the same thing. We just refine it, don't we? It's it's all refined when we get older. And it's just looking at these kids and saying, this is why we need God. (laughs) This is why. (laughs) Because we cannot get along. On our own without his help. And so John is saying his commandments, are really, they're not burdensome. 
But this is often what the natural mind thinks. This God thing is such a burden. It's so difficult. Is it a burden for us to pray? When's the last time you really had a good prayer time with the Lord? Is reading the Bible a burden? In other words, is it difficult? When's the last time you really were in the Word, enjoying it? Not just reading it because it's the dear daily devotional duty, <laughs> but really enjoying the Bible. Is it a burden to give? It shouldn't be. It's more blessed. The Bible tells us it's more blessed to give than to receive. What about serving? I was watching the guys at the picnic working out there on the grills. My goodness, that was hot. They're all sweating and working and just worrying about getting everybody fed. And you know what? They're out there just having a great time. Just out there laughing and fellowshipping together and smiling. It is a blessing to serve the Lord. Not a burden to do anything that God calls us to do. It's a blessing. Be careful that the old natural way of thinking, that, that it becomes some difficult, hard, and burdensome thing. And, and Jeremiah even had to say to, his, the, to the people of his generation, to his day, don't even use the word burden anymore because that was what they began to say. Oh, the burden of the Lord, the burden of the Lord. What we need to be saying, the joy of the Lord. Amen. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Uh, Nehemiah 8.10. Jesus said this. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Either that's the ultimate truth or it's a lie. <laughs> when you get yoked up with Jesus... Life becomes so much easier. I, I think a lot of the burdens, really, that, that people have today are self-imposed. I, I think it's like life is a backpack and people just keep filling it up with rocks. And, and, you, and, and the rocks are issues. You get weighed down. They're too heavy. They're too much. Because why? You're trying to carry them alone. What they would do in the time of Christ, I used to have a, I remember we one time uh, went to a flea market or a garage sale, and I, there, was a, there was a yoke there, an old yoke for oxen. And I remember buying that thing and cleaning it up. Remember that, hunt? And we, we hung it downstairs in the man cave, the den, or whatever the case was. And, and, uh, and it just reminded me of this verse, that, that my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Now, what they would do is whenever they were breaking in an oxen, to make it easy on him, they would yoke him up with some experienced oxen that had years of experience. And so this experienced oxen would just basically shoulder it and bear, pretty much bear, you know, 80% of the weight. And, and that's the picture Jesus was drawing for us. That when you take my yoke on, it's easy because what? He's bearing the load. And maybe if you're carrying a load today of worry, anxiety, and fears, It's some issue that you're wrestling with and you're, you're struggling with. You don't have to bear that. You can give that to Jesus. You, you can turn that over to him. 
But we got to be willing. Got to be willing. You got to want to give it over. You want to, and that's the beautiful thing about faith, isn't it? When it comes to faith, there's this transference between us and God. He transfers things to us, and we transfer things to him. He gives us the good stuff, we give him the bad stuff. The sins, the confession, the struggles and struggles and trials, we give them to him by faith. But also, too, we access, and he gives to us the wherewithal, whatever it is that we need. That's why, again, Jesus, when, he, you know, when Paul says, be not anxious, or when Jesus says, do not worry, either that's psychological babble or it's ultimate truth. Amen. Preach it, sister. <laughs> it happens by faith. But if you don't know Christ, not going to happen for you. You got to first and foremost come into a relationship with Him. And sometimes, as Christians too, we get so beat up by life that we forget about the efficacy or the effectiveness of prayer. Irene, we forgive you. <laughs> okay. So basically, I think the, the door out of this, this burden, is what it's obedience. It's giving it over to him. Allowing him to bear a load that you and I cannot carry. If you're bearing a load today, don't leave this place until maybe you pray with somebody and just give it over by faith. Amen? Amen. Verse 4. And this is sort of our, our key verse uh, in, in this, <clears throat> this whole section here. And he says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Now, why is it that when we decide to walk closer, to live for God, to move in his direction, why is it that all of a sudden there's opposition? Or, or there's this, this battle that, that seems to just sort of come against us. Do you ever notice that? If you haven't, you're, you're going you're gonna to see it. Because whenever you want to commit yourself more fully to God, whether it's you say, well, I want to go to Bible study, I want to start going to prayer meeting, I want to start really living for God, I want to get closer to God, you can be sure there's going to come some kind of opposition that you and I are going to be up against. Because, see, everything in this world is against living for Christ. That's, that's why the Bible uses the term, overcoming the world. You know, and it's not, it's, we're not talking about nature. We're talking about this evil world system that we see out there in our society, in our culture. The thing that controlled us and that dominates us. And dominates, you know, the, 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 the greed, the avarice, the evil that's out there in our culture, that's out there in our society. You know, <clears throat> it's described for us as what? The world, the flesh, and the devil. You know, so we have the things, you know, we have the evil systems out in the world. But you also, what we have, we have our own human nature, our sin nature. And that, my friends, is the most difficult part about it. Because sometimes we have this, to use, to use the, the term of a Puritan pastor, we have this traitor within. 
we, we have this Benedict Arnold within. And oftentimes that's the greatest struggle, isn't it? Yeah, the, yeah, the devil's out there. But it's our nature, our weakness, our vulnerabilities, our tendency, our, our proclivities that, give us, that cause us to give in and capitulate and cooperate. You see, but our faith and our trust in Jesus, that is the overcoming principle. Because our trusting him. So yeah, we came, we came in initially in this whole thing of faith, but folks, we've got to live in faith. We've got to continue on trusting him. Because a lot of times when we first get saved, it's like, okay, I'm, I've, I've given my life to Jesus, I'm trusting him. But a lot of times we're trusting a lot of ourselves, aren't we? Our own wisdom, our own ability, our own savvy. And as we, as we navigate through the Christian life, we realize more and more, I can't trust myself. You know, when you read like Jeremiah 17, 9 as an early believer, a young believer, it's like, well, I don't know about that. Where, where it says that the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And verse 10 says, I, the Lord, <laughs> I know the heart because he created the heart. And that's why, you know what? You gave him your heart and you got to keep giving it to him in a sense. Okay? You got to keep giving yourself over and over and over to Jesus. As far as me ever falling, I'm the most dangerous person I know. Because no one else can make me fall. Only me. Oh, I realize now more than ever how much I need him. You know, the tribulation believers in Revelation chapter 12, it says about them, they overcame him, the devil. First of all, by the blood of the Lamb. And we were singing it. By the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimonies, and they loved not their lives unto death. In other words, when we live sacrificially, that's how we overcome. First and foremost, it's the blood of Jesus. He's the principle. The word of our testimony. That's what we were talking, what were we talking about that last week? Confession, how important that is. Because it not only tells other people about what God's done in our life, it strengthens us. There's something about confession that wonderfully strengthens your spiritual life. And God knew that. That's why he tells us to do that. What's it? Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. When he broke away from established religion in Germany, they dubbed the name of their group the Confessing Church. Because Bonhoeffer realized that's a very important principle. And they loved not their lives unto the death. Eisenhower said this, there are no victories at discount prices. Oh, how true that is. Yes, Jesus is the overcoming principle. But you know something? There's another truth here also. A, a truth relative to, for you and me that if you and I are going to live sacrificially for Jesus Christ, it's going to cost us something too. Nothing even close to Jesus. Not even close to that. Not even comparable to that, okay? But if we're going to live sacrificially, that's why Jesus is always speaking to those who wanted to be disciples about the cost of discipleship. When you get into the Gospels, you can't avoid it. There is a cost, and we have to settle that. We have to settle that. 
in our hearts. If I'm going to live for Jesus, it's going to cost me something eventually. Because a lot of times when, when, you, when you are living for Jesus, you have unsafe friends and they look at you and they know it's costing you something. And they may question you. And they may look at you. They may respect your commitment. But there is a cost. It's undeniable. Corinthians, Paul tells us this, that he, Jesus, always leads us in triumph. And actually, the picture that he paints there was that of a Roman triumph. It was a procession. That when the Roman general would come in to the Appian Way, I think it was somewhere off the, the, the west coast of Italy, uh, where the ships would come in, I think maybe it was, it was, it was might, might have been Naples or something like that, and they would travel up to Rome by the Appian Way. And the general would come, and, and behind him would, all, would be all the conquered dignitaries and some of the treasures and so forth. And that's why they would take some of these dignitaries or, or adversaries, and they would go into the Colosseum with the gladiators or with the lions or whatever the case may be. And Paul paints that picture that he's our general. And it speaks of even though we have overcome, we're the victors, the world looks at us as if we're the defeated ones. And that's why the scripture reminds us that we will judge angels. And I think a lot of times we don't fully realize our place in the kingdom. And I don't realize it either fully. I think nobody can until we get there. But, oh, God, give us eyes to see. That, that's why it says, uh, oh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse uh, 9 or 10. Eye has not seen nor ear heard that the things that God has prepared for those who love him. That was verse 9. And then verse 10, Paul says, um, but he has shown us by his spirit. So, so it's the spirit that gives us his insight of these great and wonderful, awesome things that are yet future for us. And I imagine any saint that has crossed over, if, if you or I were to say to him, would you like to come back for a little while? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He'd be like leaving the palace to go back to the ghetto. But the things that he has prepared for us, the glory. Oh God, help us to live for that kingdom. Help us to live for that kingdom. And I'm challenged by that just like you because sometimes I get focused on my little plot. <laughs> I get over-focused on my little plot. Lord, help me. Help us to live your awesome kingdom. Now in Romans 8, Paul says this, yet in all these things, and he's talking about martyrdom and death, but in all these things, we are more than conquerors, more than Nike, Nikeo. And one translation says, we're super conquerors through him who loves us. I have a little Ugandan story that kind of goes back to the 1970s. And our team just been to Uganda, and it's so much different, I'm sure, than it was back in the 1970s under a leader by the name of, if you remember, Idi Amin, the dictator, brutal man. And the local uh, bishop, uh, his name was Festo uh, Givendir, Given, uh, Givendir, and he was called to pray for these men because they were going to be 
shot to death before a firing squad in a stadium of several thousand people. And he's called, and he's wondering before he goes to pray for these men, how in the world am I going to pray for these men? February 10th began as a sad day for us in Kambali. People were commanded to come to the stadium and witness the execution. Death permeated the atmosphere. A sighting crowd of about 3,000 were there to watch. I had permission from the authorities to speak to the men before they died, and two of my fellow ministers were with me. They brought the men in a truck and unloaded them, and they were handcuffed with their feet, and their feet were chained. The firing squad stood at attention, and as we walked into the center of the stadium, I was wondering what to say. How do you give the gospel to doomed men who are probably seething with rage? We approached them from behind, <clears throat> and as they turned to look at us, what a sight. Their first faces were alight with an unmistakable glow and radiance. Before we could say any of them, one of them burst out, Bishop, we thank you for coming. I wanted to tell you the, the day I was arrested in my prison cell, I asked the Lord Jesus to come into my heart. He came in and forgave me of all my sins. Heaven is now open, and there is nothing between me and my God. Please tell my wife and children that I'm going to be with Jesus. Ask them uh, also to accept him in their lives as I did. Well, the other two men uh, told similar stories, excitedly raising their hands with their, with, as they rattled their handcuffs. I felt that what I needed to do was talk to, uh, talk to the soldiers and not to the condemned. So I translated what the men had said into the language that the soldiers understood. The military men were standing there with guns cocked and with bewilderment on their faces. They were so dumbfounded that they forgot to put their hoods over the men's faces. The three men faced the firing squad, standing close together. They looked toward the people and began to wave, handcuffs and all. The people waved back, the shots were fired, and the three were with Jesus. We stood in front of them, our, heart, our hearts throbbing with joy, but mingled with tears. It was a day never to be forgotten. Though dead, though dead the men spoke loudly to all in Kazizi district and beyond, so that there was an upsurge of the life of Christ, um, which challenges death and defeats it. The next Sunday, I was preaching to a huge crowd in the hometown of one of these executed men. And again, the feel of death was over the congregation. But when I gave them the testimony of their man and how he died, there erupted a great song of praise to Jesus, and many turned to the Lord. Oh, he takes away this thing of death. He gives hope. He gives resurrection power. I mean, who could ever have the kind of courage and bravery to stand before a firing squad knowing that your life on this earth would be terminated in a few moments? And yet to have joy and to have praise. I'll tell you what, that's something that only God and God alone can give. And you know what? He gives that same faith and trust and joy and power to you and I. And you know what? None of us are facing a firing squad today, are we? Uh, you may face one tomorrow when you get to work. I don't know. But uh, you're not facing one today. God is good in me. The writer of Hebrews says, without faith, it's impossible to please him or overcome. I add that. Without faith, it's impossible to please him. You can't overcome without faith. And here's our text. In me, Jesus said, you will have peace. In me, you'll have peace. In the world, you're going to have trouble. Did you have a little trouble this week? I did. <laughs> Wasn't too bad. Just a little trouble. But in this world, it's going to be trouble. Our peace is what? It's always in him. So Jesus says, be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You need to remember that verse, amen. amen. I have overcome the world. Our precious Savior, the Lord Jesus. You know, when he used, in this verse uh, 4, when he uses the term overcome, the tense there is a present overcoming. 
certainly we overcome like these men we just read when we pass from this life into eternity. But there's also this overcoming for here and for now. It's ever present. You and I can have it. But we'll only get it by faith. We want to get it by trust. And sometimes, you know, in order to get this, there's maybe something we need to let, let go of. Is there anything right now in your life you just need to let go of? That the power to overcome, maybe just admitting that, relinquishing it, giving it up to him. I don't know what that may be. But we're going to pray shortly. I'm going to ask the ushers if they will please um, begin to distribute, the worship team come, begin to distribute the elements of communion. But if there's something that you need to maybe perhaps relinquish this morning and give up, because we're going to be here for a few more moments, I just want you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand. And God sees and God knows what it is. Anyone else? There's something you want to just relinquish, you want to give over to him. Some area that you want to overcome. Okay, you can put your hands down. As we distribute the elements, uh, we'll pray about that. Go ahead, Cheryl, whenever you're ready. and adore you. We are so thankful today, dear Lord, 
that as we stand and sit here this morning, that we have overcoming power. Lord, because you gave your life. You went to the cross to take our sin, to take our punishment, and every evil thing, Lord, that this world could ever commit. And even on the cross, the world surrounded you and mocked you, not even realizing, Lord, that you were purchasing their way into heaven. And Lord, we come before you this morning, Father. We come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we confess our sins. We give to you, Lord, our moral failures, our anger, our fears, our resentments, our pride, all the things for which you died. Lord, work in our hearts that we not hang on to any of those things. Lord, help us, we pray, to live for you. Help us to lay aside our own interest, our own goals, and anything, Lord, that would become a wrong priority. Lord, we look to you this morning. And Lord, we pray that, and I pray especially for those that have indicated by raising their hands, that there's something, Lord, they want to just surrender to you, give to you. And Lord, sometimes, Lord, these things become a burden. They're too heavy for us, Lord. And Lord, you remind us in Isaiah that the government is upon your shoulders. Lord, we want the government of our lives to be upon your shoulders. We can't even bear that, Lord. It's too heavy for us. So Lord, we give to you all these things by faith. And we ask you, dear Lord, to give us, Lord, give us your peace. Give us your strength. Where there has been, Father, defeat after defeat, would you please grant to us overcoming power? Power to rise above our weaknesses, our proclivities, above our besetting sins, and anything, dear Lord, that would ensnare us. These things become so powerful. They choke the life out of us. And we don't even fully understand this process where you tell us to confess these things and give them to you. But that's where faith comes in. We trust, we believe your word, that if we will confess our sins, you are faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so very, very much. Let us share the bread together. And Lord, as we, we hold this cup in our hands, the cup of your sacrifice. It's the cup of salvation. And we lift it up with gratitude and praise. We are so thankful, Lord, that you have offered us this cup, representing, Lord, your blood that cleanses from all sin, not just some sin, but all sin. So, Lord, we drink it and say thank you and praise you. And I pray also, Father, for 
perhaps if there is some, <coughs> excuse me, uh, someone here today, Lord, and they don't know you, that, Lord, you would grant them faith to take hold of this cup in a meaningful way, that, Lord Jesus Christ, that by your Spirit, as they drink this juice, that you'd come into their life. And we thank you for that. Let us drink together. Okay, shall we arise? <clears throat>